What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, which D-backs player, position player, could get squeezed off the roster? Doing a Corbin Carroll deep dive. Now we got a month of data. And then some of the best and worst stats for the D-backs through one month. All on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day you're listening to. The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24. That's my portfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe. The Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. We are slowly climbing to 500 subscribers. Want to hit that mark before the end of May, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. And today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, <clears throat> BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. Now, let's get into the podcast and I think I want to start with the topic of the D-backs in the roster and who could get squeezed off. Because right now, the D-backs are carrying more position players than they are pitchers. And the D-backs have an open an open pitcher slot right now on their roster. And the D-backs always carry the maximum amount that they can for pitchers because every ball club, I think every ball club does for the most part. So the D-backs need to make a decision of who to send down to the minors to Open way for you know, another pitcher to be called up or someone to come back off injury. So we now have to decide which D-backs position player is going to be squeezed out for a pitcher. And so I think there was four realistic candidates of guys who could be squeezed out. So let's go through the pros and cons, and I'll give you my decision of who I think should be squeezed out. You got Paven Smith. You got Emmanuel Rivera. You got Dominic Fletcher. And you got Alec Thomas. Because all these guys do bring something to the table, but there's also... Enough, more than enough reasons why these guys should maybe be called down if there's another pitcher called up. So let's first start with Paven Smith because Paven Smith has been an enigma for the D-backs um, since being drafted. Ever since being called up, he's been someone that has always hit for like decent contact, always been like a guy that hits for a pretty solid average, but you just know he's never going to have a lot of power and defensively, he's just a liability. But so far this season, early, 260 average, 838 OPS, a couple home runs. Paven Smith, I think offensively has been nice. I think when you do dive into Paven Smith's numbers, he has been quality against righties this season, and that's his job as a left-handed bat. A 297 average and a 975 OPS against righties this season. That's what you expect from Paven Smith. The days that Christian Walker sits and Paven Smith is playing first base, you're like, okay, it's not the worst. You just can't 
put him there long term. And we've seen the issues this year when a Paven Smith is in the outfield, specifically right field. Paven Smith is just such a poor defender out there. He has trouble tracking fly balls. He has a very inaccurate arm. But when his bat is swinging the way it is right now, you can justify putting Paven Smith in the outfield. So if the D-backs want to send him down, I think it would be because of that lack of defensive versatility. It's just hard to play him, and really the only spot you could do it consistently is that DH spot. So if the D-backs were to send him down, I think it would be for that reason. For Emmanuel Rivera, I think maybe the reason would be you just have so much depth on that left side of the infield. Like, you got Ahmed. Of course, Emmanuel Rivera is a third baseman, but Ahmed you still got there. Perdomo, like, Either one of those guys realistically could play third base if they need to. We've seen Perdomo play third base. You got Rojas. You got Evan Longoria. Like you already have three or four guys that command third base, and there's already a guy with the profile, Man Rivera, in Evan Longoria, who is, you know, considered that go-to guy when you have a lefty on the mound. That's Evan Longoria's job. And Man Rivera is kind of redundant with Evan Longoria there now. If Evan Longoria continues to struggle and Emmanuel Rivera continues to play well, then it's like, all right, maybe we need a changing of the guard. But the D-backs were to send down Manuel Rivera. I mean, that would not be surprising either because it's like you already have three or four guys that could play his position. Now, I would like to see Manuel Rivera get a little bit more time at first base, maybe back up Christian Walker there. I mean, I know they're both righty, so it wouldn't be exactly, exactly seamless. I don't mind the way Rivera's swinging the bat really good right now, so... With how hot he's been, I kind of like him as the DH. Tori Lovello has done a lot of stacking with the power guys where you see some lineups where it's like Christian Walker, Longoria, and Emmanuel Rivera, and like a Lord's Guriel. So Tori Lovello is not afraid to stack those power hitters. And I think if Emmanuel Rivera got sent down, it would probably be because of redundancy. The third guy, Dominic Fletcher, I think the case for him would just be he's the most recent guy that got called up and if he was to be sent down, like I think that would probably be the smoothest transition. But Dominic Fletcher has made it a tough argument because of how well he's playing right now. Because Dominic Fletcher, in the very small sample size he has with the D-backs, a 400 average, a 955 OPS, and just you know his 10 at-bats. But he's looked really good for the D-backs. He's looked like a pro up there at the plate, as we discussed. He's looked like a veteran. And with Alec Thomas not exactly playing well, Dominic Fletcher is playing well, like, it's a great reason to keep him up on the major league level because if his bat's playing like this with a Gurriel and a Corbin Carroll, like that gives you a pretty fearsome trio of guys with defensive versatility and high upside offensively. So Fletcher right now is on my positive list because I love the way he's playing. And I just love seeing D-backs, rookies, and youngins. Like whenever you see these young guys playing well, it just always gives you glimpses into the future and makes you have these grand fantasies about D-backs potentially holding a World Series trophies in the next few years. And Dominic Fletcher, he's still someone I want to see get more opportunity because I don't know what his true ceiling is. I don't know if he is an everyday major leaguer. I don't know if he's a foundational piece, but I need to see more for him to decide that because right now with the way he's swinging the bat, if he can keep it up, if he can have a Jake McCarthy type season, then yeah, every D-backs fan is going to be in on a Dominic Fletcher. So want to see a little bit more from him, but I understand if the D-backs sent him down because... He was the guy most recently called up, and that would be a seamless transition. Then the last guy, who might be the most difficult to send down because of his profile, because he was one of the top D-backs prospects at the time of him being called up, but hasn't exactly lived up to it. Alec Thomas, who has just struggled so much at the plate 
both this year and last year. His tenure so far in a D-backs uniform, he has a 220 average and a 606 OPS. And so far, his numbers are down from last year. And he doesn't steal as many bases as I would like. Part of it is because he's just not on base enough because of his poor offensive play. And for Alec Thomas, with how good he is defensively, the only issue is if you sent him down, then you would have a defensive outfield of Carroll, Fletcher, and Lords Guriel, which is fine. But the days where your right fielder is sitting, you might have to put Haven Smith in the outfield. Like that's the issue when you send down a Dominic Fletcher or Alec Thomas. There just might not be enough defensive Star Wars in your lineup. If you do that, you might have to play Pavin Smith a little bit more in right field, which is a disaster at times. So Alec Thomas, even though he doesn't play well, just his defensive, um, what's the word I want to use? It's A-U, it's A-C-U-I-T-Y. How do you pronounce that? Acuity? Acuity? Alec Thomas's defensive prowess is the reason he would be able to stay on the major league level because he is that nasty defensively with his instincts, how he's able to track balls. He's insane. He's one of the best I've ever seen. But with his bat struggling right now, he's going to be a hot candidate to send down. But if I actually had to pick which D-backs player I would send down, if I had to do a power ranking, I think I would have Paven Smith one just because of that lack of defensive versatility. And I think we're going to see a regression to the mean when it comes to Paven Smith's offense. I don't think he's going to continue to slash like this, at least from a slugging and OBP perspective. Like, I think his OPS could take a hit. I could see him be like a 280 hitter. I don't think that would be surprising for Paven Smith. But I just don't think he'll offer you more than just some slap shot singles. Number two in the power ranking probably would be Alec Thomas just because he's done, even though I love his defense, his offense has been so bad. Like, it just really has been a hindrance for this D-backs team at times when he's coming up to the plate with runners in scoring position, things of that nature, and he's just not producing. It really hurts. He'll probably be second in my power rankings. I'll probably have Emmanuel Rivera third because of the redundancy with the left side of the infield. And then I think Dominic Fletcher's fourth as it stands right now just because he's been so hot for the D-backs and the D-backs need more offensive talent in their lineup because you can never have too many offensive weapons. I'm always leaning offense over defense unless your offense, I don't think, is that sustainable like a Paven Smith. So Dominic Fletcher would probably be the guy I least want to send down. I think Paven Smith would make the most sense of all the D-backs candidates to be sent back down to the minor leagues. And if you need any help canceling your subscriptions, then I suggest you check out Rocket Money because did you ever discover any subscriptions you forgot about? Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them, like that Stars app just to watch one show, or that free gaming trial you never actually used, Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorizes your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing away your money, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmlb. That's rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmlb. Rocketmoney.com slash lockdownmlb.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast. And now let's do our deep dive from Corbin Carroll. I'm just going to jump from tab to tab on my computer because I got a whole bunch of different websites here, a whole bunch of different stats to start with and talk about with Corbin Carroll. Because Corbin Carroll, when you open up that StatCast page, there's a decent amount of red. But I would like that bar a little bit more to the right. But the most important bar on, on Corbin Carroll's StatCast page is that speed because he's in the one hundredth percentile for speed i think he's considered the third fastest player right now in terms of sprint speed his sprint speed right now is sitting at 30.3 um feet per second so this guy it just incredibly fast and we knew that about court mccarroll because this is someone that had all the expectations in the world coming into the season and so far court mccarroll i think is blowing away expectations i mean <laughs> he already has the four home runs showing the power he already has the 10 stolen bases showing the speed Three ter- a 313 average, showing his just offensive hit tools and uh, ability to make contact. 912 OPS shows his ability to get on base and the power. And then he plays elite defense, tracking down balls as well. So Corbin Carroll, everything that we've talked about from the speed to the contact to the power to the IQ to the athleticism, anything that you want to say that Corbin Carroll had in his bag, he's displaying this season and he's lived up to all expectations, have not surpassed them so far through the first 29 games of this season for Corbin Carroll. So I think he's probably in the early lead for rookie of the year. But of course, I don't watch a lot of the other rookies and I am biased, which I do admit. When you look at Corbin Carroll's StatCast page, like some of the numbers that jump out to me, you look at that exit velocity under StatCast batting statistics, 91 miles per hour. This is someone, even though he has a small frame, just puts some power and juice behind it. Hard hit percentage, 44.6%. He gets a sweet spot, 35%. And and also 10.8% barrel percentage. A 10.8% barrel percentage is pretty high as well. And it makes sense because when you see Corbin Carroll with those home runs or doubles in the alley that go 380 feet, like a lot of times when Corbin Carroll lines it up on the bat and gets good contact with it and it does leave the ballpark and go over the fence, a lot of those times I'm like, is that a pop-up to right field just because the swing doesn't seem to be emphatic? The ball, I don't think, flies off the bat. I don't think there's a a huge sound, but you look up and it's like, how is that cranked 420 feet every single time, I think, then? So for Corbin Carroll, he has all this power, but so compact in that frame, and the ball somehow flies off his bat, even though it doesn't look like it is, even though it looks like it's a pop-up, it's actually flying off his bat, which is insane, and... When you look at him versus certain pitches, like against fastballs this season, you can't throw those against Corbin Carroll. He's got a 327 average against fastballs with a 545 slugging. What about breaking balls? Well, a 321 average and a 536 slugging against that. Off-speed pitches, a 500 slugging against that. It's hard to throw pitches to Corbin Carroll because he's so good against every pitch. And when you look at his zone, just look at batting average by zone, Corbin Carroll owns the whole middle row, left, middle, middle, right middle he owns the whole middle row he owns the whole bottom row as well basically the only area in the strike zone Corbin Carroll is not that good with is the outer left part of the strike zone um or would it be actually the outer right part of the strike zone the part of the strike zone that's farthest away from him as a batter and it's the upper right it's literally just the little sliver corner in the upper right hand corner that's the only area of the strike zone he struggles but for the most part Corbin Carroll does a great job of covering the entire strike zone which is a reason I love him but he's also a guy that's not afraid to swing the bat he's one of the more 
um, consistent guys on the D-back team at just swinging at um, pitches. Um, he's uh, I'm saying home too much. He swings about 46% of the pitches he sees, and this is someone that gets pretty aggressive at times at the plate, and I'm not mad about it at all with Corbin Carroll. Um, he's been really good for this D-backs team this season, and he just does so much for this D-backs team. And when you look at some of those plate discipline stats, like this is someone that... He does struggle a little bit with chasing pitches. He actually doesn't swing at a ton of pitches. He's like seventh on the D-backs team in terms of swing percentage, but he does probably chase too many pitches. He probably does swing at too many pitches outside the strike zone. Now, he does make a decent contact percentage, 77.6% contact percentage, 83.3% on contact percentage in the strike zone. But for Corbin Carroll, you want him to draw a few more walks because that's probably the biggest issue with his game. It just doesn't draw enough walks. Corbin Carroll, a 7.3% walk rate, just not good enough for a 22.9% strikeout rate. Like Corbin Carroll quietly strikes out a decent amount, eight walks to 25 strikeouts. Like you need more from Corbin Carroll than that. He just walks. Uh, he just walks not enough. And meanwhile, he strikes out way too much which I don't like to see. Corbin Carroll, so good at hitting the ball, such a good eye. And I think part of the reason why he doesn't walk enough is because he is aggressive at the plate. He's not aggressive with swinging it, but because he knows he could basically hit any ball in the strike zone, he's not afraid to swing at balls outside the strike zone because he's also decent at making contact on those pitches as well. Like Corbin Carroll can just do it all at the plate. So it's like when you have the offensive ability that he does, it's like, yeah, I'm always going to go down swing. This is not someone that's going to strike out looking a lot of time. He might strike out, but he's going to do a swing because this is someone that's not afraid to swing no matter where the pitch is thrown because he's someone that can cover all parts of the plate. And also when you are that small frame, you're, 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 it's easier to tune into pitches, I think, because a guy like Aaron Judge, I imagine, I imagine just has a larger strike zone radius than a Corbin Carroll. So pitchers have to be a little bit more perfect, a little bit more precise when locating pitches against a Corbin Carroll. And if you make those mistakes, he definitely takes advantage. One thing that I think is kind of fun to look at is where Corbin Carroll um, performs the best. I kind of stopped saying, um, when I'm not ready to talk where Corbin Carroll performs the best because when he's batting third this season, Corbin Carroll is a 387 average and 1117 OPS. And I do want to see more Corbin Carroll batting at the top of the lineup because I think this D-backs team is so much more exciting when you have like a Rojas Marte than a Corbin Carroll as your one, two, three. That's something that I really enjoy. I wouldn't even mind seeing like a Corbin Carroll Perdomo duo at the top of the lineup with how those two are playing. That would be a lot of fun. And I also love how Corbin Carroll crushes when there's men on the bases. Not runners in scoring position. He needs to get better in that area. But when there's at least men on the bases, Corbin Carroll is a 308 average, an 874 OPS. And he's someone that is really clutch, really clutch when the game is within one run. The Corbin Carroll bats 308 with an 899 OPS. When the D-backs are behind, Corbin Carroll, a 425 average with 1177 OPS, a 455 average and a 1390 OPS in high leverage moments. His best numbers are in innings 7 through 9, where he's batting 364 with a 1054 OPS. Like, Corbin Carroll, the later that the game gets, the more clutch he gets. He's going to be one of the most clutch players we have on this D-backs team all season. And we need a Corbin Carroll walk-off because I can only imagine the energy D-backs nation would have if Corbin Carroll ever got the opportunity to walk it off. We did. There was one game. Who was it against? I forgot because I remember 
I think it might have been against the Kansas City Royals, maybe. I want to say, no, it was against the Milwaukee Brewers, I'm pretty sure, where Corbin Carroll had a chance to have like a walk-off grand slam and he wasn't able to get it done. But I would love to be in the ballpark for a Corbin Carroll home run. I would go crazy. Not a home run. A Corbin Carroll walk-off home run. I would go crazy. I would have the camera on and best believe I would be dropping that video on the Locked on Diamondbacks social media channels. Now, let's talk a little bit about good and bad stats from this D-back season so far. But if you're someone that's in need of a little bit of help and maybe wants to talk through your issues with someone, then I suggest better help because I'm someone that's benefited from therapy. I like talking to someone that I don't know personally and just venting and letting my frustrations and life out. And I think better help is a great tool for someone who's going through something similar in their life. Because if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownMLB. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss some stats I found. I want to do this little exercise where I find one positive stat from both the offense and the pitching and then one negative stat from both the offense and the pitching. And so let's first start with the offense. Let's talk about some some positive stuff. And one thing, it's not really one stat. It's a collection of stats. That's like an overall point. But the D-backs this season have been good at scoring runs, and the D-backs offense has actually been impressive this year because the D-backs, surprisingly, in the National League, last in men left on base. When the D-backs have men on bases, they do not disappoint. The D-backs are a really good team with runners in scoring position. They bat over 300 with over 800 OPS with runners in scoring position. This D-backs offense is clutch, and no one is probably clutcher than Geraldo Perdomo, who in that game two against the Texas Rangers, pinch it double, Scores a couple of runs. Like, that's what Perdomo does. He's been clutch. Carroll hasn't been great with runners in scoring position, but he's been really good with men on the bases. Some other dudes on this D-backs team have been really good as well. Christian Walker starting to heat up as well. We know he's a big RBI producer. We want to see Keta Marte get some RBI you know, production as well. But up and down this D-backs team, like we've seen so many different guys step up. And then we've seen the bottom of the lineup step up multiple times for the D-backs this season, um, contributing to their offense. So really like it in terms of coming through in the clutch and not, playing with your food, eating it all up, whatever analogy you want to say. D-backs, number one in run scoring percentage. When they get men on the bases, they're more than likely to score, especially when they're in run scoring mode because they're so, the main reason is because the D-backs so much, have so much team speed. Like when you actually look at that speed stat on fan graphs, I think the D-backs are the second fastest team in the National League behind the Pirates who are just running away with stolen bases right now as a team. Want that to be the D-backs? Unfortunately, it's the Pirates. 
Pirates, but D-backs team speed is still deadly, and it's a big reason because if you have Corbin Carroll, if you have Alec Thomas, if you have Gabriel Moreno, if you have Ketel Marte, Dominic Fletcher, whoever you have on second base or third base, a Perdomo, like a, a little bloop single, like all those guys are scoring. D-backs, number one in extra base taken. The D-backs are not afraid to steal bases. They're not afraid to go from first to third. They do it all the time. Sacrifices, they do it all the time. Like the D-backs are aggressive and chaotic on the bases, which I love to see, which has led to the third most runs in the National League. So that's my one positive stat for the D-backs offense. My one negative stat, though, D-backs, even though they're elite with men on the bases, they do not do a good enough job of getting men on the bases, at least via the walk, because the D-backs have the second worst walk percentage in the National League, and it just begs the question, how many more runs would the D-backs be scoring if they could get on the bases so much easier? We just talked about how Corbin Carroll has a really low walk percentage, and a lot of these D-backs position players like just aren't like walking enough, at least for my liking, like... Gabriel Moreno has a below of 300 OBP. Christian Walker, a 306 OBP. Ketel Marte, a 325 OBP. Rojas, a 320. Gurriel, 325. Alec Thomas, 248. Like, there's just not enough. Like, Corbin Carroll's like the only everyday player with a 376 OBP. The only guy with like above a 330 OBP. Like, most of these guys. Oh, and also Perdomo's the other one, 473 OBP because Perdomo's the. MVP of Major League Baseball right now, but it's tough to find D-backs players with above a 330 OBP right now because so many guys, they're hitting the ball for average. They're hitting it for power. They're just not getting on base via the walk, which I want to see a little bit more of because they're able to do that with the way this D-backs offense is clutch. D-backs can score even more runs than what we're already seeing. Now let's talk about the pitching staff. The pitching staff hasn't been that good this year. D-backs pitchers have produced the 11th Best war among all pitching staffs in the National League. The starting rotation is below average in terms of innings pitch per game. The D-backs bullpen, the save percentage is also below average. And the team ERA is a 4.88. Just not good enough and just not getting it done. Like we've talked about so much like Gallon in seven starts, a 2.53 ERA. Merrill Kelly in six starts, a 3.06 ERA. But after that, Ryan Nelson, 6.39. Mad Bum a 10-2-6. Tommy Henry a 6-5-2. Davies was a 5-7-9. Dre Jameson, he has a 3-7-1 ERA, but as a starter, I'm guessing it wasn't that good. So it's like the rotation just hasn't been good enough for the D-backs this year. The bullpen, I, I mean, I think from the core guys, they need to get better at closing. I think the closing has gotten a lot better since Andrew Schaefer has been there. But the bullpen, I think, is trustworthy. Like I talked about, there's at least like four guys I trust, like Andrew Schaefer in a 2-3-1 ERA, Castro 2-1-3, Kyle Nelson a 1-5-4 ERA. That's probably my go-to three. Ginkle's been like all right this year. There's definitely been moments where he struggled, but he still has a 3-3-8 ERA. Man supply, of course, is in there with a 3-0 flat ERA. Like this D-backs bullpen does have like four, five, six guys you could throw in now when what, the last since 2020, you're like, maybe have two dudes I trust. Now it's like five. I think that makes me feel pretty good as a D-backs fan right now. But if I want to give you the positive D-backs stat from this pitching rotation, and this also plays into the catcher a little bit as well, 
probably a lot into the catcher as well. Fewest amount of stolen bases against our D-backs pitchers. The D-backs have the best stolen base percentage against with these D-backs pitchers. Guys are not running. I do think these D-backs pitchers have pretty quick deliveries to home plate. I also think a guy like Gabriel Moreno has had a pretty strong arm this year and has deterred these D-backs runners. Not D-backs runners. These opposing runners on other teams. But considering this D-backs team, how they like to play on offense, they're so chaotic trying to create... Stolen base opportunities every chance they get. Meanwhile, on the vice versa, their pitching staff and catchers do a great job of limiting that. I love that for this D-backs team. The offense has been really good. The pitching staff needs to get better. But the D-backs, above 500 record at this point in the season, sitting nicely in second place in the NOS. Yeah, I'll take that as a D-backs fan. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Lockdown MLB Locked on MLB podcast with Sully Baseball. Also, don't forget to catch every D-backs hometown pitch when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Yo, sis.